0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Science Friday is supported by Random House. Publisher of When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi, A memoir from a doctor turned patient about the fragile beauty of our mortal lives. When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kolonathy is available at prh.com air. WNYC Studios is supported by the Natural Resources Defense Council. Using science, the law, and people power, NRDC is committed to confronting the climate crisis, protecting public health, and safeguarding nature. They address the impact of fossil fuels on communities and our environment. They help protect wildlife, public lands, and irreplaceable ecosystems that all living things depend on. They work to enact policies for clean air, clean water, and access to nature for all. You can help NRDC safeguard the earth for future generations. Visit nrdc.org WNYC for more information.
2: We've got lots of ice buried under the Martian equator an AI that's good at solving high school geometry challenges, and a Japanese moon lander called SLIM, all in the Science Friday News Roundup. It's Friday, January 19th, also known officially as Science Friday. I'm sci producer Kathleen Davis. Lots of stories this week, but first up, a research team in China reported that it has used a new technique successfully clone a rhesus monkey. That clone, named Retro, has now lived for over two years and reached maturity. This is the first time that a rhesus monkey has been successfully cloned. The species is used widely in medical research, making the advance potentially useful for medical trials. Tim Revel of New Scientist joins Ira to talk about the work and its implications.
0: Welcome back, Tim. Thanks for having me. Nice to have you. Okay, tell us about this clone monkey. What's going on here? Yeah, so there have been many attempts to clone Rhesus monkeys
3: over the years, but normally they result in very early deaths. And Retro appears to be the first clone Rhesus monkey that is completely healthy. He was actually born in July 2020, and but we're just hearing about him now, so he's actually more than three. And the thing with this clone is that it's slightly different cloning to the normal type of cloning you'd think of in terms of like Dolly the Sheep from the 1990s. And that's that rather than using adult cells, fetal cells were the key thing at the beginning. So that means you couldn't use this technique to just take some cells from you and create a second IRA. Instead- Who would want that to <laughs> yeah, begin with, yeah. Instead, you, you would have had to imagine that right at the beginning of your life.
0: And what, what did that solve? What, was there a specific problem that that solved?
3: Yeah, the difficult thing, particularly with primates and with humans, if we are ever to try to clone them, is that throughout your life, you get lots of these genetic markers that change how your DNA behaves. And they're, they work well for as you're older, right. but they're not the right markers for if you want to create a completely new you from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what by taking fetal cells rather than adult cells, it doesn't have any of those genetic markers on them, and therefore you can create a, a clone that way.
0: Very clever. Yeah, very <laughs> clever indeed. But is this going to lead to more cloned primates, do
3: you think? I think it's possible that this method might be used for like one specific use case, and that's for if you want to... Uh, have a scientific study where you have lots of primates that have all got the exact same genetics, and you wanted to test different medications on them. But primate research is very controversial, and so is cloning. And so, yeah. I don't think we're going to see a quick explosion or of this people. technique or people or people or people. I, I honestly think that, like, it, it was so difficult to produce this it rhesus was. monkey yeah. that it seems unlikely to me. Like, it's illegal in most countries to try a human clone. As far as we know, nobody's
0: actually tried that. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to news as we speak about a Japanese moonlander called Slim. What what is this? Yeah, so this is this is an amazing
3: moon lander. SLIM stands for Smart Lander for Investigating the Moon, and since December it's been orbiting the moon and it, within the last few hours it actually touched down on the moon. And the thing with SLIM is that it was built to test uh, this thi- this technology called Smart Eyes, which is all about how accurately could we possibly land on the moon? And so Normally, the area you're looking to land is tens of kilometers wide. But the hope, and this is still currently being confirmed as we speak by the Japanese Space Agency, the hope was that it would be able to land in an area
0: as small as 100 meters. Wow.
3: Yeah, really. Way better than anything else. They have some
0: proprietary method of doing it?
3: It's just like the technology that exists today. So things like artificial intelligence. So as it descends, Ah. it's using image recognition to spot craters and to course correct automatically as it goes down.
0: That is really
3: cool. cool. It's really amazing. Yeah. So even just landing has been is a really good achievement. The thing that uh, is a slight disappointment is it seems that the lander's solar panels aren't working. Oh. And if that's the case, it's only got a few hours battery life from now. Wow. So JAXA, the Japanese Space Agency, they're currently rushing to try to fix it, but also... Uh, you make the
0: most of the few hours that they might have. Mm, I get it. Okay, let's move on to a story that you have about human life expectancy, Mm -hmm. a gap between men and women. Yeah, this
3: is a really cool study that's looked at mortality data from 194 countries over a 20-year period. And it's about how life expectancy is changing and how it's changing between men and women. So over that 20-year period, nearly every country life expectancy has increased and Throughout that period also the gap between how long men and women has also decreased. Right. So typically women live a little bit longer than men and in the richest countries that they group together in this research that gap has been closing a small amount from 4.85 years at the beginning of the study to 4.77 at the end which is only small but the team predict that by 2030 the gap will be down to 3.4 years.
0: That's amazing but I know, you know what, that, that yeah.
3: Well why? <laughs> good good question. Yeah, so part of the reason is uh down to so life expectancy has generally increased because medicine has improved and one of the areas where it uh we are seeing quite a big impact is on diseases such as those related to smoking and alcohol both the medicine uh, the sort of treatments available but also awareness campaigns and those typically hit men harder more men were affected and so as that's reduced the gap has decreased and, and
0: this is a global thing this is a global
3: I- thing yeah there are, there are only a handful of countries where this pattern is not what we're seeing
0: mm-hmm. looking at, at numbers speaking of numbers you have a story about ai doing tricky math problems i could have used that years <laughs> yeah could, couldn't me too
3: i really love this story this one's about um you've probably heard of the international mathematical olympiad it's, oh yeah yeah it's basically the like the big math competition for high schoolers and it pits the, uh, the sort of mathematical wits against each other and traditionally ai is terrible at mathematics so uh, GPT-4, for example, OpenAI's really famous AI, scores zero on math Olympiad questions. It just can't do them. And even specialised AIs built to try and solve this problem have not been particularly good at it. Well, now what's changed is that Google, Google DeepMind have had a go, and they've built this AI called Alpha Geometry. And on a test of 30 Olympiad questions, it scored 25. And by comparison, an Olympiad gold medalist, which is the best of the best, is expected to score about 25.9.
0: So it's hot on the heels of the smartest high school math Olympiads. Yeah, I remember doing geometry. I really liked it because you had to do... uh proofs of things and yeah. I, that's what they must have had to do right the yeah the ai so that's that's exactly
3: right and one of the ways that they uh, improved their ai to make it possible is that it's actually built in two parts the first part is a bit like chat GP. it's chat gpt it's good on vagueness and language and understanding right. the problem but it's not the one that's allowed to solve the problems instead it feeds it to another part of the AI that has to use rigorous mathematical logic, which is what gets it to an actual proof and an answer rather than the sort of uh, just uh, the sort of fake answers that you tend to get (laughs) with ChatGPT.
0: Imagine the homework it had to do. Yeah,
3: well, right. it, it was trained on hundreds of
0: millions oh, of examples. Is that right? Hundreds
3: of millions, yeah. So it did a lot of homework before it came good enough.
0: <laughs> Better it than me. Let's move off the planet for a minute. And there, there's a mysterious a mysterious patch on Mars. I mean, there's always something mysterious <laughs> on Mars. But this this appears to be a giant lump of ice.
3: Yeah, it's amazing. So it's this huge deposit around the equator of Mars called the Medusae Fossi Formation. And we've known about this for 15, 20 years, but not been exactly sure. what it is it turns out now according to new data that it's actually this patch of uh water ice and there's so much water ice there that if it melted it could cover the entire surface of mars in six and a half feet deep
0: water i'm just trying to absorb that that's (laughs) so it's a giant patch of ice that if it, mill, it, wow. Yeah, it's like a ring. That, that's a ring unbelievable.
2: It's amazing. And I'm just picturing that amazing planet-wide swimming pool.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: it'd, be, it'd give a very different vibe to the red planet if it, if it was actually the blue
0: planet, <laughs> wouldn't it? So it must tell us something about past that this water came from somewhere, right? Yeah, so under the current conditions on Mars would not
3: allow this sort of water to form. So instead, the suggestion is perhaps, you know, we know that Mars over its lifetime has tilted many times and swung back and forth, and that perhaps in its past, this water ice formed when the equator was pointing further away from the sun
0: let's stay because it is science friday in, in space news which we love uh, yeah. there's some black hole news this week yeah the james webb space telescope or the james welly space
3: telly as my space colleague <laughs> likes to call it <laughs> like that. yeah it spotted this black hole that is the oldest and most distant black hole we've ever seen The black hole is six million times as massive as the sun. And it's located in this uh, galaxy named GNZ 11. And that's about 13.4 billion light years away. But the light coming from that, that galaxy is just 400 million years after
0: the big bang. So it's really, really young. Wow, that's that's just like it's in its infancy, right? Right after it formed, does it tell us anything about black holes, or is it just the oldest one? Yeah, it's the, it's the oldest one, but it's it's very strange for a black hole to be
3: that big that early in the universe's history. So it suggests that there might be something wrong with our understanding of how black holes form.
0: You think? <laughs> <laughs> we keep hearing new st- stories about black holes being mysterious well it our laws of physics are not up to snuff anymore. Anyway. yeah they're not up to snuff at all <laughs> um how uh, let's let's talk about uh, global warming. Is is turning ibex nocturnal? Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. So these this is specifically ibex, uh, alpine ibex
3: in the European Alps. And as global temperatures warm up, the animals that are most affected by that tend to be the ones that are in colder climates, such as like these alpine ibex. And a team looked at their patterns of behavior over a a 15-year period, and found that the ibex are, when it's hotter during the day, that they become much more active at night. But the thing with that is that at night, wolves are much more active too,
2: and they're particularly
0: partial to the taste of Mm. an alpine ibex.
3: Oh, Uh,
2: that's not good news for them. (laughs) Not
0: good news for them. No. Finally, we have this story that's both materials and topology, the smallest nut yeah, smallest how, and tightest. How how
3: small are we talking about? Just fifty four atoms form this knot, and it's formed into a sort of trefoil knot shape. So, sort of three intersecting parts. Um, and it, yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's got it's partly made of gold, and it was almost made serendipit- serendipitously because it was just mixing a certain uh, atoms together resulted in this knot.
0: Hmm. And so it's, it, it, it forms spontaneously when they mix the atoms together.
3: Yeah, that's right. So they, they mix together a liquid containing gold atoms linked by carbon rings and then phosphorus, phosphorus atoms link, linked by a different assortment of carbon rings. And then they don't know why it forms. But it does. And yeah. then they ended up with this amazing knot. And they were trying to do something else,
0: probably. Well,
3: they were, they were hoping to form knots. The thing is, they just don't know why they form this way. But the hope is that if they keep doing this, eventually we might figure out why the knots form. And that could help us to make more interesting materials, but also to better understand biology as proteins often form these strange types of knots. Or not. Yeah, or <laughs> not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Timothy. It's great stuff. Thanks for having me. Timothy Revel, Deputy U.S. Editor at New Scientist, based in New York. I understand you're you're heading back to London shortly. You're going to be leaving us. Yeah, in March I will be back in the U.K. Well, good good luck to you, and thank you for all the work you've been doing with us. We'll, We'll still be in touch. Yeah, I hope so. I can dial in from there.
2: And that's it for today. A lot of folks helped make the show happen, including... Annie Nero. Emma Gomez. Charles Bergquist. Danielle Johnson. And many more. Next time, we'll dive deep into the applications of AI in medicine, from chatbots assisting with diagnosis to systems that can analyze your x-ray and MRI scans. I'm Kathleen Davis. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.
1: On Notes from America, we have conversations with people across the country about how we can truly become the nation that we claim to be. Each week we talk about race, our politics, education, relationships, usually all of them because everything's connected. And you, our listeners, are at the center of those conversations. I'm Kai Wright. Join me on Notes from America wherever you get your podcasts.